Welcome to Shofar Ronnebosch Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. Thanks, Matthew. Appreciate it. Yes, Father, your will be done tonight. Your kingdom come. Nothing else. We desire nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a word before I start to preach. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. You are welcome to enter his presence boldly anywhere. You know that. There is no condemnation. But there is an invitation. The things I'm going to speak on tonight is not for you to get right with God. It's for those of you that are right with God. Because only you can only be right with God through the blood of Jesus, not through what you do. Speaking to those of you that are right with God, who wants to go deeper. Who wants to go deeper? Hallelujah. Now the first thing that's not part of my sermon, I just want to say. The word of God says, do not love the world or the things of this world. For if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. There are those moments, and these are the defining moments of our faith, is when we come face to face with our Creator in special encounters. Sometimes in this church, sometimes in your room, sometimes in the mission, where the presence of God overwhelms you so that you, you can't speak. The only thing you can do is cry. Just weep. And the love just comes and it hits you. It hits you. And you cannot, <laughs> you cannot think of anything else that's better than that. And I can tell you that I'm married now for almost seven years and I've got the most beautiful wife ever. Not any date or holiday with her. Not the greatest sex in the world comes close to the meetings with Jesus, where it bowls you over completely. But there's many of you sitting here tonight. There's a few of you sitting here tonight. Some do not know this love. Some of you do not know this love. This all-consuming love of God. And others of you have experienced it. But you're longing for it and you're not experiencing it. I believe there's a word from God saying just now, get out of the things of the world. And the things God is specifically highlighting to me is many of you are watching series and movies. And you can ask yourself, is it from God or is it from the world? And you say, no, it's from the world. It's not from God. If you love that, among many other things, that's what I feel the Lord is saying right now love that and this love of God according to the word you're not doing it you're not having it you're not experiencing it you may be go to heaven but you miss out on a lot and you're in a dangerous place because the enemy walks around like a roaring lion wanting to destroy you if you come into his space the word of God says do you not know if you love the world you become an enemy of God you know what that means? It doesn't mean he, he doesn't love you. It just means you are playing with things that he's trying to destroy. And when you're playing with things that he's trying to destroy, then you might get hurt in the process. If you're in this building, if I'm trying to destroy this building, you might get hurt. You might be seen as an enemy. This is a hard word, but some of you need to repent 
stop your activity engaging the things of this world that seem so nice and so pleasurable that you just know in your heart I'm not experiencing Jesus I'm not experiencing his fullness I'm not enough just close your eyes if that's you raise your hand you know you need to repent of this right now Father you see these hands pray that you would set them free in Jesus' name. Set them free in Jesus' name. You will not love the world or the things of this world. The love of the Father will consume you. It will be all you ever want. It will be all you ever need. It will be more than you can ever handle. It will be life and life in abundance. It will be it. Father, I pray that you would just show us, Father, where we are really dabbling with the things of this world. Father, I pray that you would show us, Father, where we are actually dabbling with the things of this world, that you are trying to destroy the things that's leading us into temptation away from your heart. You can agree with me in your heart when I say, Father, we repent. You can agree in your heart and say, Father, I repent. There's enough of you. Let's say it out loud. Father, I repent. Come flood me with your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to show you my lovely uh, family on the next slide. My name is easy enough. I say Bia Bia, and my wife is Rinnell, and our son is Daniel. Actually, he's uh, Daniel Benjamin. I'm also Daniel Benjamin. He's Daniel Benjamin the eighth. I was Daniel Benjamin the seventh. And. Uh, got a great legacy of great grandfathers who had revivals and they saw amazing things and they have the same name so we're passing on the name my surname I I do not know how to pronounce it so <laughs> some of your German students you can maybe help me afterwards because we're having tough times in the family trying to figure that out We're very excited to be partnering with you guys. So I want to speak to you on these three things that the Lord has been laying on my heart recently. They're interwoven, but intimacy, community, and mission. And uh, what I believe the Lord wants to do is He wants to lay a foundation in your life. You are young. You need a lot of foundational things on which you can build your life. Because when life happens, you need to be set. Otherwise, you're not going not gonna to last. You might fall over. So this is a valuable time in your life. You need to set things up. These are foundational things I'm going to speak about. I didn't know whether Matthew's ever going to invite me back. So this is a three-in-one, okay? There's going to be three little sermons in one. Okay, so this is of your best deal ever. You can laugh. You can stop laughing. You can laugh. You can stop laughing. It doesn't work that well tonight. You see, I'm I started all very serious now because the Lord wanted to do something very serious. But I'm one of those unfortunate people. I've got two gears. I'm either ridiculous or I'm very serious. But I'm so awkward to be like just normal. So having chit-chat after the service, I'm like, don't really know what to do. And then I make an awkward joke. And then you don't 
get the joke, and then I'm like, oh, no, I really don't know what to do. So I'm sorry if I started out a bit too serious, but um, I believe that's God's part. Is there anyone here by the name of Trevor? Anyone in this church whose name is, is Trevor? Looking for a Trevor. Lord's been speaking to me about a Trevor. <laughs> you really want it. <laughs> I will let you know if I don't find Trevor. I will let you know if I don't find Trevor. So this is going to be really basic, really simple stuff. Let's um, close our eyes. I want to share with you a, vi a vision that the Lord has showed me very simply. The first part of the vision is exactly what I explained to you just now. It's a, a picture. You must, you must picture this. A guy on his knees experiencing the love of God, meeting with the Father in an incredible way. Like he's just overwhelmed with love in an incredible way. He's weeping before the Lord. God is meeting with him. He's speaking to him about his, his calling. He's speaking to him about stuff. He's healing him of things. It's taking away fears. It's just one of those incredible meetings with God where it feels like there's a um, waterfall coming down on you. And it's just absolutely beautiful. And then he looks up. And he sees around him are others having the same meetings with God, the same meetings with the same Father, being overwhelmed by his love. And he's almost in awe. He's like, wow, there are others like me who experience the same. And in that moment, he realizes, but we share the same Father. We share the same love. And they all then start to look up. And everybody starts to see each other. Because they all get come to the realization that, oh, wow, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this. And they slowly stand up really content in the love of God and walk to each other and they shake hands in this joyful unity in the fact that I've, we've got the same Father and we experience the same thing and it's so indescribable, but I know you understand it because you also experience it and therefore we've got this beautiful unity. And in that moment we realize, as we stand there holding hands, enjoying this beautiful moment, we realize, oh, there are millions who do not have this and it's freely available. We have to share. We have to share this. We have to share this. The Father is longing for them. And then as you take hands, you lift up your heads and you walk out. You start walking out into this world with a determination on your face to share the love of God with the world that doesn't know it. It's a picture of intimacy with God. It's a picture of community, the true church coming together. It's a picture of embracing the mission of God. And that's what I want to speak about this evening. You can open up your eyes. Intimacy. You know the scripture of Martha and Mary, right? You heard of it? Martha and Mary in the Bible. There are some of you. Okay. You must read your Bibles, eh? Read your Bibles. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. Jesus is coming to campus. Imagine that. What would you do? He wants to know to whose room he can come for some lunch. Would you... Would you put up your hand? Say, yeah, did you get something? So there was a woman named Martha who welcomed him into her house. Jesus is coming to stay with us. What would you do if you were Martha? And Jesus is coming to stay with you. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Wouldn't you be distracted with much serving if Jesus is coming to your house? You would be serving. 
you'd be making him food, seeing if everything is okay. Like he said, it's holy enough. Can we hide all these things? It's not cool. Like, Jesus, Jesus, what do you want? Do you want some iced tea? Do you want some Coke? Like we, we've got some water if you'd like to turn it into wine. And we'd like to have that wine. You know? One day in heaven, we're going to eat that meal with, with manna. And quail. And wine from the wedding. Yay. Okay. Jesus is there. What are you going to do? Jesus is literally walking into this town and she's hosting him. Martha is distracted with much serving, of course. And Martha's going up to him saying, Jesus, do you not care that my sister is not helping you? Is not helping me to serve you. You must tell her to help me. Oh, I can just imagine. You're like, what are you doing? Why are you just sitting there? Help me. Okay? We would do that. Now, before you get, before we're too hard on Martha, Martha was a woman of faith. When Lazarus, 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 when he died, you remember he died? You read your Bibles. He died because Jesus was late to heal him. They told him, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. So Jesus said, oh, let's wait it out a bit. So they're like, Jesus. So then Lazarus died. So then Jesus went there eventually, and Martha came running towards him and said, Jesus, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She knew who Jesus was. She knew he could heal him. She later confessed in that very scripture that reads the Christ. She was an amazing woman of faith. She was an amazing woman of virtue. She was serving Jesus. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? So don't put your heart on Martha. But then the Lord answered Martha. He said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. How many things are necessary? How many? That is two minus one. Get one, okay? So any, is there anything else that's necessary? I don't know, because this is Jesus saying one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Other translation says, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen that good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What did Mary do? She sat at Jesus' feet. And listened. This, my dear friends, is the most important and the most beautiful thing you can do in your whole life. And I would propose that you do it every day of your life. Jesus is the Word of God, right? So if you read the Word of God, you're getting Jesus in. That's the Logos Word, the Logos Word. The Rhema Word is the Word you receive from Him. While you're spending time with him, he speaks to your spirit. So I literally sit at the feet of Jesus in the morning. And I don't say much when I'm sitting at his feet. Because Mary listened. She didn't speak so much. Maybe ask him a question on what he said. So this is a foundational thing in our lives that if there's one thing that's necessary, not coming to church, not singing a song, sitting at the feet of Jesus. 
this needs to be the number one priority in your life. Why? Because Jesus said there is one thing. That's the first thing. And you know what? Every single thing will flow from there. Because if you sit there, you will learn everything you ever need. Because Jesus knows it and he will tell it to you. He will give you your mandate. He'll give you your calling. He'll give you joy. He'll give you everything you ever need. There's a lot of joy in his presence. There's pleasure in his presence. There's everything you ever need is right there. It starts there. You cannot neglect that. And you know what? When you're students, you still have a reasonable amount of time to do that. But once you start working and you get married and you, you get kids, and this thing is not a foundational thing that's set in your life that you will not compromise on, you will compromise on it. Hear what I'm telling you today. You will compromise on it. If you don't firmly set that up as the most important thing in your life, then you will maybe spend time with God if you find time. I can tell you what, the enemy is going to make sure that you don't find time. You're going to want to make money or even say, oh no, I need to spend time with my wife or my kids so I can spend time with Jesus. Well, then that then your wife is an idol. And you fix that too. So we should sort this thing out in our heart and prioritize correctly and attribute value to our actions. I even, when I was I was still working uh, as a consultant, I, I told them, listen guys, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come in before nine o'clock because I can't spend enough time with Jesus if I have to start work at eight. And I have to wake up at four. That's not sustainable. I did right. And then the favor of the Lord was on me. And I worked less hours than everybody else. But I was billing the most in the, ho in the company. Just because of his favor. Everything we do, we must submit to the Lordship of Jesus. So, make sure that you find a physical space where you can spend that time. When I look for a house to buy or to rent, I walk in the house. My first thing I think is, where am I going to have my time with the Lord in this house? And if I cannot see where that might be, practical, then I'm not interested. Now, if you're still single, that's easy enough because it's your own room. Once you get married, it's harder because you need another room. When you get a baby, then you must have another room. <laughs> so find that space, and that's the most important thing. I'm like building walls into my house now that we were renting so I can have a proper space. Make time, like I said, everything else must submit. Sit down with a notebook, because otherwise you forget. And you know what? The one who spoke the world into motion, if he speaks, you don't want to forget it. That, wor that word can change the world. So have a notebook so you can write it down. And then I've just realized that often we go to God and we start speaking to him. Instead of being like Mary and listen. And we respond to what God is saying. Not once asking God to respond to what we are saying. You get me? Remember, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm speaking to those of you who put up your hand and said you want to go deeper. with me and then you institutionalize this and you be accountable to it you need an accountability partner you need accountability partners for life you must trust God for covenantal friendships in your life friendships that will last forever to whom you can be accountable with every detail of your life it's important and in this place you will find the utmost meaning of life. You'll find joy. You'll find everything that you need. That's why Jesus said the one thing that's necessary, say it with our absolute devotion. 
Jesus said it, so let's do it. Amen. Are you ready? So if that's not what you're doing right now, but you do realize that it's quite clear that this is quite important. And in your heart right now, you're like, I need to solidify this foundation in my life. Would you stand up? Do not stand up because anybody else is coming up. Stand up because you need to solidify this foundation in your life. I do not want anybody to stand because anybody else is standing, okay? That's what I said. Now you are accountable also. Father, I pray for a blessing on these beautiful sons and daughters of you. May they spread thy leaves, Father. As they go to the secret place to seek you. Like the psalmist wrote, you said, seek my face. Your face I will seek, O Lord. I pray that they would be people like that. Would seek your face pray that you would overwhelm them in that space with who you are. Lord, touch them as they meet with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have your seat. That was, the f that was part number one, but the rest will be quicker. Are you still awake? Okay. Foundation one, set. Foundation two, community or church. I could have called it either one of those. But community is, I, I think it's a nicer word for what I'm trying to say because if I only say church, then you think of this. This is not really a church. You know what? The Bible doesn't even say there must be somebody preaching every week. I don't even know like where we got that from, but we can work on it. We are working on it in our church. You should be ministering. Not only Matthew. The word of God says that the apostles and and the and the prophets and the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists are there to equip the saints. That's all of you. Why? For what? To do the work of the ministry. You think what I'm doing now is the work of the ministry? Yes. So I should maybe not actually be doing it. It should be you. You must be ready in and out of season. Are you ready? Do you have a word? The word of God says when you come to church, each one must have a song or a hymn or a lesson or a tongue or something to do. And then Paul says, only let everything be done in order. Don't let 100 people speak. Like, just, hold, just hold them back so that they don't all come at once. That's the church. So when you come, you come with something. It was an added extra. That's not part of the sermon, okay? Community. Church. You know that in scripture, they use the metaphor bride and body when Jesus speaks of his church, right? You know that. The body of Christ, the bride of Christ. That's the church. So there's a scripture that just uh, shows that. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, says Paul, since I betrothed you to one husband, Jesus, you, the church of, of Corinth, to one husband, Jesus, to, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ, okay, a picture of the bride of Christ. The next scripture just shows, now you are the body of Christ, each one of you a part of it. We know this. Now think about this. There's no greater example of intimacy than your own body or your bride. 
you're not closer with anything or anyone than your own body or your bride if you're married. So Jesus couldn't have used examples of greater intimacy to show us how he feels about his church than using those. He identifies with church as an actual intimate part of himself. So, is anybody here married? Aha. Okay. Are you married? I didn't know that. Now I know that. Makes sense. So, I'm going to use them as an example, but they heard this this, this morning, I think, also. Now, if I was friends with that handsome guy, yeah, but I was saying a lot of bad things about his beautiful wife, or I didn't like her that much, do you think we would be friends for long? Even if he loves me dearly, we won't be friends that long if I start dissing his wife. Or if I'm just kind of like, I don't really like, I'm not, you know, I'm committed to you, but not to her. You won't be invited for the dry so much. Now, you guys aren't married yet. But if you want people to stay or wait and speak about sex. So, if if you want, if if your wife is saying, I like your head. I like your head, it's cool. I'll have a relationship with your head, but not your body, bro. You think that marriage is going to work well? Hey, guys? That marriage is not going to happen. If the wife is saying, I like the head, dude, not the body. You, do you get what I'm saying? Jesus is saying, my bride, my body is the church. Now, if you, as someone that has relationship with Jesus, wants to have an intimate relationship with Jesus, want to have an amazing relationship with Jesus, a loving relationship, how can you if you don't have an incredible desire and love for the thing that he loves most, his church? And there's so much going around with Christians speaking out against the church because it's so divided and it's so broken and it's so this and the church is so that so I'm kind of distant but I'm I'm a Christian but I don't like church that's not from God you would struggle to have an intimate relationship with Jesus because his heart is broken for the church the real church and you know what the church is broken. The church is divided. The church is not a pure bride. Because you are part of it. Because we are human. We mess up. But Jesus is working. He's building his church. And he's calling you and he's saying, be a part of it. He's calling you and he's saying, will you let me break your heart for my church as my heart is breaking for my church and work with me? Then you don't run away and become and become distant of church and say, oh, it's, not it's not cool. I hope that makes sense. move to that scripture. I'm going to skip the next slide. Zephaniah 3.18 just shows you this in a beautiful way. It says, it's God speaking. It says, I will, I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of you to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Now you're going to think this guy is really clever. He must be some theologian because if he can understand the scripture like that, then now I only heard another sermon with a guy using this scripture and explaining it. So that's how I know it. I'm not that amazing. 
what the, what God is saying here. I will I will gather them. Th that gather, rightly translated, kind of has the feeling of like a hen gathering her chicks close under her wings, keeping them safe and close and warm. That's what they're speaking about. Okay, I will I will keep those close to me, says God, who are sorrowful for the solemn assembly. That was Israel back then. Now it's the church who are sorrowful, whose hearts break and say, God, heal this brokenness. God, can I partner with you in establishing your reign in this? Whose hearts break for it. Who do not say, I'm at arm's length. To whom the shame, the reproach of it is a burden. So it just says, and you would know if you're in church long enough, you know it, you feel it, there's shame, there's reproach, because there's a lot of nonsense, because there's a lot of people, and there's a lot of mistakes, and there's a lot of people being hurt, and there's people being offended, but the right way to deal with that is to weep before God and say, God, help us, not God, I'm too cool for this, because he says, I want you, I keep you close. If you will share my heart for my church. Is that cool? Is that cool? You need to be grounded in community. And that's the second one done. Ready for the last one? So then what should you do with your life? You slotted in with Jesus. Slotted into community. That's amazing. What should you do with your life? We ask these questions about calling and about what what work should I do? What should I? Da, 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 da. And I find a lot of Christians are really confused when it comes to this. Like, if it would tell me, oh, I feel I'm called to marketing. Like, okay, that's cool. But like, what is God saying about it? Like, well, what do you mean you're called to marketing? No, I just I just really like it. I mean, I got in for this uh, course, which is really cool, and you know, it's a miracle that I got in. So I'm starting marketing. Like that. Okay. So, like, what? What's the purpose? No, yeah, marketing. It's not the purpose. Might be marketing, but you need to understand the purpose behind it. So, can I make it very simple? What should our mission be? What should we do? Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. What does an imitator do? Im imitate. That is a clever name. Are you studying marketing? No. Probably medicine. No. No. Uh, yeah, makes sense. I studied psychology. I couldn't do that stuff. In psychology, you can kind of make up answers as you go. You don't have to arrive at the same answer as everybody else for it to be right. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So we must just do what God is doing. So the answer, the question then is, what is God doing? Because that, that is then what you should be doing. Isn't that so? That's what Jesus did. He said, I don't do anything unless I hear the Father. Unless I see the Father do it, I don't, I don't do it. Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. You are sons and daughters. You must do likewise. Okay, so what is the purpose of God? What does God do? That is the thing I must imitate. I believe it's summarized in this scripture very beautifully. Making known to us the mystery of his will. Here is the mystery of his will. Okay, The mystery of his will. It's a mystery. It's amazing. It's big. It's complicated. It's abstract. The mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. This is it. This is the plan. This is the big master plan. The plan for the fullness of time 
to unite or reconcile all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Did you get that? Ultimate aim of God is the reconciliation of all things back to God. He wants everybody saved. So they have intimate relationship with him. And when they are, closer and closer and closer and closer so that we can become one with him. That's the aim of God. All things united in him. There are many things that are not united in him. That what he is what he is constantly doing. So just to give you an overview of where we're at in terms of history and what God is doing right now in terms of that, very simply put, is there was creation a couple of years back, right? Next slide. There was creation a couple of years back. Then a couple of years after that was the fall. Okay, that was the next big thing that happened. After the fall, God put his plan of redemption in action, okay? And he worked it out through Abraham and the Israelites and everybody until Jesus rose from the dead. And the plan for redemption was done. From that time until now, we are in restoration phase. We are in the business of restoring all things back to the Father. That's what He's busy doing, and that's what you should be busy doing also. Now, you might be thinking, well, are you saying we must all become evangelists? No. Are you saying we must all become full-time ministers of the Word? No. I'm saying there's a place for you in the church of God, and when I say church, I don't mean the institutions we are running. I mean the body of Christ, the one that's working all over, there's a job for you to do. And it might be an engineer or marketing or whatever it is. It might be in full-time ministry as a missionary. It might be anything. But its ultimate aim must be, and you must be assured that you know from God that you, the ultimate aim of what you are busy with is that some that will be involved in whatever you do will be reconciled back to God. That's the ultimate aim. When that happens, you're reaching the aim. Some people say, yeah, I'm called to make a lot of money for the church. Now, that's, that's cool, but that's not the full picture. You're going to miss it. So, when are you going to rejoice? When are you going to say, yes, succeeded? When you made a lot of money, or I can assure you, no. When you made a lot of money, you don't go, yes. It's one of those things you think you'll go, yes, I've made it. When you make a lot of money, then you make a lot of money and you don't go, oh, yes. Well, someone gave us a, a three-bedroom flat the, the other day as a gift. It's worth like 1.3 million as a gift. I just got it as a gift. Now, you think when you get something like that, you would like, you know, like put your shirt over your head and run off going like, yeah. My retirement is sorted out. You don't. You don't. You think you would. It's really not that that big a deal. But anyway, so, but when you do want to do that, in the moments in my life when I did want to do that, is when a dear friend, someone close, or someone in the family like my grandfather when he was 88 years old radically came to salvation then you freak out when you see someone's life flipping like that and they're weeping and say confessing Jesus where they were just atheists like a month ago then your spirit and everything inside you just go like no way because your spirit is just recognizing the thing that means the most to God also. So I'm saying find your place, but at the top of your calling page, write, I will partake with God in the reconciliation of all things back to Him. Which means someone must respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ and be discipled. 
that needs to be somewhere in whatever you do that needs to be part of the plan but you need to be in the market place and in the hospitals and everywhere else but that needs to be the end goal not anything else that's the last foundation that I would like to leave with you today that the end of all godly worthwhile pursuits is the reconciliation of those it reaches or involves with the creator and with each other therefore in my life I ensure that I align every every step I take, every cent I spend and every second to no other end than that. There is no greater joy than walking just with Jesus. It also plays back to our intimacy with him. Because if you want to be good friends with someone but you don't like the things, you don't like to do the things that they like to do, then you're not going to do many things together. You might have cool meetings but you're not going to have cool outings. You want to have cool outings with Jesus, then you may need to learn to love the things that he loves. So who's, who's going on a mission? Come on. And if I give you 100,000 rand right now, money isn't an issue, who's going on the mission? It shouldn't be more. It should be the same because Jesus owns everything, okay? Go on the mission. You meet Jesus in ways that you never thought because you're partnering with his heart the discipleship on a mission on a f- of, of one week is equivalent to p- probably a normal year in your life two corinthians five eighteen and and i'm done says all this is from god who through christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. It's your job. Will you sign up for it? If, if you will, stand up. Let's close our eyes. If you can stretch out your hands to God. And this is a sign of surrender. Father, you said that you came so that we may have life and life in abundance. You are the one who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. God, I pray that you would show us, reveal to us, each one of us, the life you have for us to live inside your marvelous light. The life you have for each one of us to live inside your marvelous life. life, A life of joy, a life of fullness, a life of fruit, a life of victory, a life of overcoming, a life of seeing your face, and a life of falling before your throne in worship, a life of seeing miracles happen before our eyes, a life of seeing blind eyes open and deaf ears hear and the lame walk, the sick raised up, demons cast out and people running to their creator to be saved. I pray that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ for in it is the power of salvation. I need us to say that out loud. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. One, two, three. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. One, two, three. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. One, two, three. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Father, I pray that you would set these foundational things in our hearts. I pray that you would give us a heart for the nations. I pray, Father, as we as we taste and see that you are good, that we would just not be able to hold it back from anyone else. I declare to you freely you have received, now freely give.
In Jesus' name I say to you, freely you have received, now freely give. The fact of the matter is there's enough of you here to change the whole world. There's enough of you here to change the whole world. So if you're really standing right now, if you are really standing right now, then we should see the world change and turn upside down in the next 50 years. Are you ready for that? Then leave the things of this world and follow Christ. It's worth it. It's so worth it. You know, like the superheroes in the movies. When they win and we get that rush of dopamine, we're like, yeah, the good guy won. We go home and it was a good story, but it's kind of fake. It didn't really happen. And like Superman, we try to make things c come out of our hands, but we know they won't. Because we don't have those superpowers because they're also fake. But, but you know what? There is a narrative where a superhero came and defeated the greatest enemy of all. Sin and death was defeated. Sin and death death was defeated. And you know what? That victory is not fake. It is your victory in Christ Jesus. And you know what? The superpowers are not fake. You can take the superpowers home with you. You can put your hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus said, greater works you will do. Calling many of you out tonight, and it's there's a lot of you that are really called to make a massive impact in this world. There's real heaviness in the in the spirit, a, a good heaviness, a, a weightiness rather to what I sense in terms of in terms of calling in this room. But there's a wrestle for your soul. There's a wrestle for your attention. Because the enemy is desperately trying to get you out of it. You must say no. I'm calling you out and say, say no. And sit with Jesus and his people and be on his mission. Jesus' name.